This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32 and 33. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Like all Christian mysteries, the mystery of Christian marriage is difficult to comprehend. It requires some work, some actually divine assistance by the Holy Spirit to really get our minds into what he himself is teaching about this mysterious gift that he's given us in holy matrimony. (coughs) Trying to define what makes Christian marriage uh, is fraught with peril. If we get it wrong, it can be disastrous both to faith and to your marriage. But getting it right can open the doors of heaven. Uh, So we need to be careful and particular, and so this morning's sermon is going to be especially detailed in its sort of minute attention to the words of Ephesians 5 this morning. And I have to say one caveat. I know not all of you are married. Some of you maybe get married in the future. Some of you may not. But this word about Christian marriage applies to the whole church. Indeed, this Holy Spirit-inspired St. Paul to address married couples in particular but because, because we are all knit together in the one body of Christ, even those of us who are not married do well to understand what the calling of Christian marriage is, either because we may be called to step into it at some point, or to encourage and hold to account our other brothers and sisters who are married uh, to the standard that God has set. So I hope this is useful for all of you, even those of you who are not married. Um, So I want to begin with definitions out of Ephesians 5. I'd encourage you, this is one of those sermons, if you'd flip open your bulletin and have Ephesians 5 right there, I'm going to be referencing uh, several verse numbers as we go. So if we look for what the sort of chief word that summarizes um, what the wife's role is in Christian marriage, we have the word submit. And if you look for the word... um, given for, that characterizes uh, the husband's role in Christian marriage, we have the word head. In our um, fallen, fleshly state, as sinful human beings, we instantly misunderstand both of these words. I almost guarantee that whatever you think by the word submit and the word head, uh, at some level, we've, we've received it brokenly because it is characteristic since the curse given after the fall in Genesis 3 that in marriage... The husband and the wife, we are going to be misunderstanding these things and against each other in our misinterpretation of God's order. The only way we can correct, sort of reorient our mental conceptions of these two words is by paying closer attention to Ephesians chapter 5. So that's what I want to do. Um, We'll start with wives, because that's where St. Paul starts, addressing wives first. The meaning of submit I offer to you is best defined when we place it on a spectrum of what it does not mean. So, of course, submit, just lexically, is the opposite of resist, right? Um, So maybe the opposite of submission would be resistance. But it's so important that on the other side, we don't shade off the meaning of submission into subjugation. God does not order wives to be subjugated to their husbands. He's calling wives uh, to submit. When trying to, like, 
well, what is the difference between these words? They all kind of have some similarity, maybe. Subjugation would be a sort of simple, like, yes, sir, whatever you say. Resistance would be, um, oh, that's what you want? I don't want to do that. <laughs> Just sort of bold opposition. Submission, I offer to you, in the biblical context of this paradigm of Christ and his church in Ephesians 5, is to say, perhaps, hypothetically, to say to a husband, uh, I, that's not what I want to do, what you just said, but we can do that. Right, it's this honest, voluntary following of, what, of the husband. We get a, sort of another angle on this word of submission in verse 33 of Ephesians. And Paul says, right, when God says to us, let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we get kind of another word to kind of hone in on this tricky concept that can be easily misunderstood. The word respect in the old translations was I actually think better translated, reverence. Which is a funny word, but it's the same word that's used in verse 21 when it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We don't just respect Christ, we revere him. There's a sense of like honor in it. And what I need to correct, certainly because of our sort of fleshly misinterpretation, is that um, the biblical call for a wife to submit can never be ordered by the husband. If it's ever ordered by the husband, it's right away no longer biblical submission. That's subjugation, right? To say, you must follow me. That's not submission. Submission, by its very biblical definition, has to be a free and voluntary act of the wife. So if, if ever uh, the husband tries to sort of say, oh, this is a case where you need to submit, the game has already been lost. It needs to be free and voluntary. And I say that because... Um, the Greek here, this is a, where we need to pay such close attention even to the original language which God uh, spoke through St. Paul through. Um, it takes, this word submit, takes what's called a middle voice, which is actually, I love language, and I know some of you do too. Um, shout out Brother Seth. <laughs> He's studying language. Um, in English, we have active and passive, right? I kicked the ball, the ball was kicked. Active and passive. Greek also has a middle voice. We don't have one in English. But what it means is it's, you are both the agent and the thing acted on. And so sometimes we could translate this, you must to submit yourself. Like you are the one in charge, and yet you're also the one whom the effect happens on. You, the ball is both you know, like acted on and, and also chooses to be in the middle voice. So this call to submit in the Greek, it's in the middle voice. Right? It's not, so I'm, I'm, not say, I'm not trying to add my 21st century gloss merely onto a difficult first century passage by saying it has to be voluntary from the wife. The grammar itself cues us. This needs to be a free offering and never something that sort of is demanded or tried to um, be asserted over the wife. That's what makes submission different than subjugation, which is less than Christian, as is resistance and sort of this sort of oppositional conflicted thing. Submission is something in the middle. And by defining its outsides, what it's not, I think that's how we can hone in on what a mystery is, right? Um, when we say that God is, you know, he's three in one, well, it's not three different persons, and it's not just one monad, it's this mystery in the middle. And so if there's some ambiguity in this idea of, well, what does it look like for a wife to submit? Good, let there be a bit of ambiguity and seek the Lord in your own particular marriage. Well, what would it look like to submit? What is the godly thing that you're calling us to? There is something mysterious about it, and it's very delicate. I've heard a lot of teachers and preachers 
kind of bore down on this sort of heavy-handed patriarchalism, which I think misses actually the sweet mystery of Christian submission. So much for that for you wives. Submission. Husbands, the true meaning of head, what does it mean like Christ is the head of the church? Um, we also are instantly prone to misinterpret it. Of course, the idea of head has an element of leadership in it. I mean, the head is sort of what controls the body, like my brain tells my fingers to move and it moves. But So on the opposite of being the head would be to be failing to lead. But we, I think in our flesh, wrongly interpret it as being the boss. Headship is not being the boss. God is not saying that in Christian marriages the husband is the boss. And I know that because in Ephesians 5, if you look at it, there is one command verb given to the husband and it's given four times. What is it? Love, right? There is no verb, be the head. It just says you are the head. That's just a given. What you're charged to do is love. That's the command in the imperative, like, command form. Love. Four times it's in there. Love. So whatever it actually means to be the head, we actually know it means to love. And not just any sort of love, right? But as it says in verse 25, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that's the sort of love that you're called to show to your wives. So in as much as there are tones of leadership in this idea of headship, how did Christ lead the way with his relationship with the church? By dying, by giving of himself, right? That was his leadership move, was to say, here's all of me for your life. You know, that's very different than our worldly conceptions of headship, right? The Bible is actually transforming and uprooting some of our instinctively bad ideas about how men and women relate to each other. If there's an element of leadership that needs to not be omitted, not fail to lead, um, I think husbands, the, the Bible calls us to make the hard decision against ourselves for our wives' sake. That if there's a choice that needs to be made, that the husband should be the one to make the call to take the bullet, rather than make the call to live a more cushy life and get exactly what he wants done done. Right? To actually serve self-sacrificially any other definition of headship that isn't centered on that, again, has, has lost the plot. Um, this is why crucifixes are very valuable to continue to reflect upon as Christian objects of meditation. So husbands, how do I love my wife? Well, like that. Self-offering, self-gift, self-denial. That's what it means to love a husband to a wife in the Christian paradigm of marriage, according to Ephesians 5. So on both sides, wise, if you want to know how to honor God and sort of with your marriage by inhabiting the role of wife, because of course as a human being and a daughter of God, it's one of the roles which you inhabit if you're married. Um, look to the church. How does the church follow Christ? That can be an object of reflection when things are difficult, when you're trying to figure out kind of through the dark wood of conflict or whatnot. You know, how, do, what, how does the church interact with Christ? Reverence, respect, submission. Husbands, if you want to know how to honor God in your role as husband, look at how Christ loves the church. When I put it like that, there's a, um, it sounds like sort of these two mirror image parallel, right? Um, but there's actually a slightly more subtle detail in this passage that I want to tease out. These are actually not quite mirror images of each other, and here's, here's how. Um, 
again in Greek, it's a very, much more precise language than English. They have several words for the word as or like. You know, when we say uh, wives submit to your husbands as Christ submits to the church, husbands love your wives as, sorry, as the church submits to Christ, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, that as in there. Um, there's the ordinary Greek word as, hos, and then there's another word which means just like, exactly like, and that's kathos. And when we look at Ephesians, the wife is to love, is, sorry, is to submit to her husband as the church submits to Christ, and that's just as. But the husband is to love his wife exactly like Christ loves the church. And that tiny little verbal difference clues us into something important in that the analogy between Christ and church and husband and wife, um, it can break down on the, from the, on the husband's side of things. Right? Because Christ will only ever ask us to do good things. And so we're always just to obey and submit. Her husband may not is, is clearly <laughs> not as infallible. The husband may not actually may actually, worst case scenario, ask for something ungodly, and at that point, uh, it's a duty of every Christian, including Christian wife, to say, No, I will not dishonor God despite your request. So the analogy breaks down. Whereas the churches always should be in submission to Christ, there may be times in this broken world where the, where the, sort of the, the, the connection that God is making through St. Paul between church and Christ and husbands and wives breaks down. The analogy is sort of incomplete. It's actually different for the husband, and that is why we get the exactly like. Because as a husband, there isn't the same sort of fundamental structure of, be, of being submitted, there isn't the danger of being led astray, sort of wrongly in the same way, that there are no exceptions, that no matter what your wife does, husband, you are to love her just as Christ loved the church. And here this analogy is really total. Christ loves us when, no matter, w in, in any situation, whether we are sort of following him closely or not, whether we're honoring or not, Christ continues to love us. And I think the charge is actually sort of one step, the connection is, is more identical for the husband. Uh, there are the, because whatever happens in your wife's life, the charge is the same. Now, there, it could be somewhat modified, right, for the wife if the husband fails to live into, else starts to ask for ungodly things. So, do you see that subtle difference of identification? Does that make some sense? Maybe. Maybe I was trying to get it a little too precise. <laughs> um, it is the case, though, that these biblical charges, wives to submit, husbands to love, um, it's important to see that they're not fundamentally conditional or circumstantial, right? It's not, you know, honor your husband when he's doing the right thing and doing what you'd like to do. <laughs> um, or love your wife when she seems really lovable and when you've got the extra time and energy, right? These commands are, are above circumstance. Regardless of circumstance, they are to be lived into. If we want our marriage to be harmonious with God's design and call for Christian marriage. And what's really cool is if we do obey God over circumstance, not only do we honor God, but the way he's so structured us as humans and as Christians is when, it is completely hypothetical, when the husband is being a chump <laughs> and the wife still is lovingly submissive and patient and bearing with me and loving me in, in this way, 
it actually sort of shines light and shames my folly and sort of calls me back to inhabiting Christian marriage better. So, oh yeah, well, why am I just being selfish? Here I am being selfish, and you say, okay, we'll do that. And it's like, oh, okay, I, I, I actually don't want to be selfish. Forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Okay, let's start this conversation again, right? Um, we can show forth God's love to each other and call each other into a more profound Christian discipleship in the midst of these marriage identities. Not only um, can we show God's love and call on our lives to each other in Christian marriage, but this witness of Christian marriage being like Christ in his church, it's also an icon for the world. And this is why I'm wanting to sort of belabor these points and take the time to focus on Ephesians 5 this morning, is as a church, we're pretty good with our lips at saying in the face of the world, which wants to change marriage into all kinds of things, which it's not, in the face of the world to say, oh yeah, we stand for Christian marriage, but are we actually, and we say it with our lips, but are we really investing a lot of our heart and time into living it out in our lives so that we actually have something to point to and to say, look, over and against what the world is trying to say you can do with marriage, look at Christian marriage, look at, look at the marriage that I'm trying to live into, look at, look at the marriages we're trying to cultivate in our Christian community together. I think if we're all lips to the world and nothing, there's no kind of proof in the pudding, it's going to be an unconvincing case. But how cool would it be for someone in the world to see a husband truly loving his wife as Christ loved the church? Or a wife truly submitting to her husband as the church submits to Christ? It would be a winsome commendation and proclamation of the gospel to the world. We would shine forth, actually, the very testimony of Christ's love for his church and the church's love for Christ in striving to embody Christian marriage more fully in our own marriages. And as with all Christian calls, uh, it's impossible without God's help, right? We are always going to be needing infinite help from him to even make the first baby steps into inhabiting these identities more fully. So don't let the high call be a discouragement. All of Christian calling is impossibly high, right? He's calling us into a divine life. And he's given us his divine Holy Spirit in order to lead us up to that divine life. But if we seek his help, if we listen to Ephesians 5 and let it sink into our bones and try and inhabit that more in our marriages day by day by day, God will be honored in every way and the gospel will be proclaimed in our church and to the world for the glory of Christ Jesus. Amen.